Welcome to the Jane Bond Show, from execution to excellence. And I am your host, Jane Bond, the serial entrepreneur who will be sharing with you valuable life lessons and interviewing influencers from around the country who are breaking through to success, along with giving you advice on navigating through the game. Today, our topic is picture this. Our special guest is a famed New York photographer and entrepreneur who shares with us what it was like growing up in the concrete jungle of New York City and having it as a backdrop of not only his work, but life in general. Armed with a degree from the prestigious Rochester Institute of Technology gave him the skill set to ferociously go after his dream. It also prepared him for the business along with the capacity to develop, organize, and manage his business for long-term success. However, that success did not come without challenges. He talks to us about inclusion and acceptance in the business of commercial fashion and beauty photography. Even though this type of negativity reared its ugly head once again, it did not stop him from his path to success. Shooting icons like Harry Belafonte, fashionista Iris Apfel, along with Kevin Hart, Tiffany Haddish, Taraji P. Henson, and Zendaya. You name them, he has shot them. Some of the biggest and hottest stars in America. Without further ado, our special guest, Mr. Keith Major. Hello. Hey, Keith. Hey, Jane. How oh, you doing? That's great. How are you? I'm good. Good. I'm so glad we got together today. You know, I'm going to dive right in here with you. But first, I wanted to say, you know, um, it's it's really interesting how we met, you know, because I have known and watched you for many, many years, actually through a good friend of ours, John Jones, who unfortunately passed away. Um, he was the one who said to me, you know, when you go to New York City, you must get in touch with Mr. Keith Majors. And he said he's major, you know, <laughs> in photography, <laughs> no pun intended. But I'm, I was really happy that we were able to connect and stayed friends and and um, hung out together many times in New York City. So it's it's awesome to be able to talk to you, you know, fast forward 20 some odd years later. <laughs> I know. Right. Hard to believe. Right. It has really been. Oh. Life has just just goes like that, but it's awesome. Um, so let's dive right in, Keith. Why don't you tell us what it was like for you growing up in New York City? Wow. I mean, I, I'm I because you're a New York I, boy, born and raised. I'm Rebels. a New York boy. I've been. I'm such a New York boy. I have been here for every blackout, which means that um, I was three years old in the blackout of '65. And I was very, what, young teenager in the, the um, 79 blackout, or was it 78? I think it was 78, might have been 77. Um, and then even the one, the, the latter one in, in the 2000s. Um, but, you know, growing up here was like just crazy. I mean, I grew up in the 70s where it was crime ridden and a bit depressed and the trains were covered in graffiti and so, you know, I like to say we we were like street urchins that had to figure out ways to survive every day. Right. It was, but it was kind of fun. I, I'm glad I was a kid then because it. You know, when I look back on the pictures, I'm like I could barely believe that I survived all that nonsense. But um, yeah, it was a fun time in a way. You know, and um, I that's when, that's when New York was real, though. I mean, you look back at the stories that they share on TV. I mean, that's yeah. what movies are made out of now. 
mean, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I grew up with that, and it's and it's 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 you know it, it served me well. I I find that I'm quick on my feet in most situations. I can handle myself in other countries if things get a little shady. I'm just able to recognize things before you know, and, and I can pretty much get around well, you know. And it was good growing up here. I think for me in particular, um, being a photographer, it was ideal because I was surrounded by the arts. And I went to an art specialized elementary school. And then through the elementary school, I learned of um, being able to go to Brooklyn Museum and Pratt Institute for uh, elementary school classes after school and on the weekends. And then also I ended up going to the High School of Art and Design. And instead of taking the school bus, I took the subway from Brooklyn to uh, Manhattan, which really opened up my uh, horizons because I met kids from all over the all over the city. Absolutely. It changed everything for me. Well, that's a great segue into my next question. You know, I believe you were my first guest, you know, it seems like knew who knew exactly who he was and what he wanted to do from a very young impressionable age. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it was really odd. I mean, it's funny. I can still remember the first day of school uh or and maybe in my mind's eye, it was the first day of school, but I remember doing a finger painting and I said, I want to be an artist. And I wow. <laughs> never really wavered. And so my parents supported my um, inclination towards drawing and painting. And that sort of morphed into photography. And so at about 12 years old, I had already planned to uh take my art classes, take my photo classes, go to the high school of art and design. And then after graduating high school, I would go to RIT, which was Rochester Institute of Technology, uh, which was the prestigious photo school. Yes, uh, absolutely. Country. And at 12 years old, I knew that this, these are the things that I wanted to do. And how, let me ask you, what was your biggest inspiration? And, you know, how did you plant that seed so quickly? I, I barely know, but no, that's not true. Actually, I had family members around that were connected in ways. And so that my father grew up with a guy, Edgar Henry, who um, worked for Time Life. Wow. And so he had access to information and began sending me, at the time Time Life was publishing books on photography. So he began sending me these educational, inspirational books that had a variety of topics on photography. Um, and then I also had on another side of the family, family members who knew of the school RIT. And so they had gotten a brochure and made my parents and myself aware of this school that taught photography and so i had i had like you know parental guidance and family guidance around me that sort of like helped shape help nurture my interest right well that's important. i also had an uncle who was a photographer um my cousin was married to um um uncle randy we called him and so he also took me under his wing and so i went he had a shop in bedford stuyvesant brooklyn and i would go to his shop after school and you know, assist him. And he taught me a bunch of things while he was running his photo store. And I would go with him on shoots. I'd be in the dark room and that sort of thing. And so 
I had a lot of nurturing. That's great because it's so important to have that support and mentors along the way when you're, you know, even considering a career, let alone know the career that you want to be in and not right. have that support. Um, was there ever any wavering or, you know, any other thought of another type of career or was it straight, well, you know, photography and art? Oh, because I did play music and, and I played the bass guitar and I was in bands. And um, so I kind of like toyed with that and dabbled with that. Actually, there's a funny story. Um, there, there's a great musician that plays at the Carlisle, Bobby Short. And his oh, yeah, bass- of course. Well, his bassist um, was a cousin of mine, um, uh, Beverly. And, and he and my father got into a big argument, then which almost turned into a fight. And it was funny. It started as, as a discussion. <laughs> and started as a discussion where my father was saying that I uh, was interested in photography. And Beverly was like, well, photographers don't make any money. And so my father goes, well, my, my son is also interested in, you know, music and he plays bass. Would you give him lessons? And so the man, the man who just said that photography doesn't make money said, no, I'm not going to give him any lessons. And my father lost his natural mind. <laughs> <laughs> they, almost a, they almost had a fight over that. Right? I played music for a while, so much so that I had taken a year off from school when I was in college to really give music a try. Oh, okay. I even interned at... Um, CBS Records, which ended up becoming Sony Music. Um, but then I just decided that photography was better for me because with music, I, I was afraid I wouldn't make any money because I didn't really like uh, compromising and, you know, making popular music for people that people would like. You know, my tastes were eclectic and all over the place when it came to music. But with photography, I found that I could do the commercial thing. It was easier for me to do something commercially I would still enjoy it in photography whereas with music I wouldn't so I went I you know so then yeah I I stuck with the photography in the end oh good job though because you're amazing trust me I like I said I've watched you and I've seen the work and I've been present when the work is being taken place going through the process with you so yeah it can be um, yeah it's glamorous and fun and um actually you learn a lot you know about yourself too and um I think the way you handle, well, I know the way you handled me and the way you handle clients, you kind of let them let their hair down and be themselves and know you can be very authentic when someone allows you to be that way. So yeah, yeah, definitely. What was one of your biggest challenges in your career? That is a good question. The biggest challenge is being an African-American male in not only a field that's dominated by um, Caucasians, but then being, being um, you know, someone who might not be looked at as someone who would understand style and beauty or, you know, or be given the charge of running a set. So that was always the biggest challenge, just sort of getting people to respect me and respect my craft and, and in some cases my uh, authority you know, to be able to run a set. Um, as time went on, I began to overcome that just from experience, learning how to talk to people, how to handle people. And then the longer you're around, the more people believe in you. <laughs> right, of course. And the work shows up for itself, of course. Exactly. And sometimes it's just that simple. Sometimes you just have to, you know, there's, there's a learning curve, you know, and sometimes it's not the marketplace, but it's 
your inexperience and you have to begin to put in the hours and putting the time to uh, become a part of it. And then you begin to contribute because you know what you're doing and you have something right. to offer. Absolutely. Did you ever come up against um, racism while you were doing it? I mean, when I met you, uh, it was typical to me. You look like an artist and an artist is, is an artist to me. So, you know, they don't have uh, the, the certain look you have is, and not you per se, artist period is creative. So I don't know if I would have ever looked at anybody like that in that space, but did you ever have um, any problems with that, you know, coming through the marketplace in New York? Well, you know, there, there is a sort of put tug of war and an exclusion, but sometimes that stuff is sort of like covert and institutionalized. Right. It's odd, you know, the, the areas where I experience racism the most were really small vignettes that are in some ways connected, but they're not connected. Like for instance, one of the first racist experiences I had in photography was out on the street. I was actually, I was assisting a photographer, Anthony Barboza. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, yeah what, what we were taught in college at that time is, once you leave with your bachelor's degree, you go and assist a photographer and learn the craft through working for somebody. And that's where you get your sort of masters is what they would say. Right. And so I was assisting Tony and uh, while assisting him, I had to go to Lens and Repro, which was a photo rental house to pick up a flash head. And when I was coming out of the store, um, I'm walking down the street and a cop car comes barreling down the street and pulls up almost on the sidewalk, pretty much almost runs me over. Wow. The police hop out and they go get up against the wall. And I'm like, uh, what? And one of the cops goes, I said, I'm gonna have to use French here. I said, get up the, I said, get up against the fucking wall. And he snatches the bag out of my hand. And so I'm like, okay, I say to myself, let me be quiet because these guys are gonna start beating me up if I try to plead my case. Even so they put then. me back in the police car and I'm like, what is going on? So they start playing good cop, bad cop. So the good cop goes, well, somebody robbed Lens and Repro and you fit the description. And um, you know, the, it's unfortunate that the racism is so ingrained in our society because I wasn't even angry when I heard that. I just said to him, I thought that, okay, let me just explain to him who I am. So I told him I'm a photographer, I'm a photo assistant, I'm working for Anthony Barboza, you know, I graduated from RIT. I went to the High School of Art and Design. What I have in that bag is a Speedatron flash tube. It's part of an electronic flash kit. And I thought that all of that would, you know, allow these guys to realize that I wasn't the suspect. And you're trying to educate them. <laughs> I'm trying to educate them. And they just ignored me. And my feeling was like, wow, like, first of all, I use Lens and Repro. I don't want them robbed. And second of all, it's like, I, this is what I do for a living. I went to school for this and I'm explaining it to you and you don't care. And thirdly, there's somebody running around the city with a gun because apparently the person used a gun and you guys aren't looking for them. You're satisfied to have any black guy in the back of your car. Wow. 
And it was just like, what do I have to do? Like, I've checked all the boxes for a young apprentice at my age to be a part of this field, and yet I'm being profiled. And when I explain this to you, it doesn't even matter. And uh, conversely, not long after that, we had, I had assisted Tony on a, um, on an advertising shoot. Uh, we shot a liquor ad, a Barcari ad in Antigua. And so when the film was developed and everything, I had to bring the film to the art director at YNR. So I go to YNR on Madison Avenue and I go to the front desk and the security guard looks at me and goes, messengers around the back. <laughs> right, of course. So then again, you know, with our institutionalized racism, I didn't get angry. I knew that to him, I was just an average black guy and I, of course, had to be a messenger. I couldn't possibly be a photographer's assistant or anybody else for that matter who deserved to be in that building. And so I actually told them, I'm like, listen, I'm, a, I'm an assistant photographer. And the guy goes, I don't care, messengers around the back. And I'm like, uh, you know what? <laughs> so the, oddly enough, I actually went around the back. And I, took, and I went to the messenger center and it looked like chaos. And, I, and I, at that point, I'm like, look, you know, I know that what I hold in my hand thousands of dollars of time, money, and investment in advertising. I'm not going to just leave it with these guys. Right. So I went to the front and I said, look, I'm trying to explain to you who I am. And the guy's like, I don't care. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm like, I, I, oh, I know what I had to do because this was before cell phones, really. So I had to call my agent, my, oh, well, my, the guy, Ant, Ant, Anthony's agent, actually, not my agent. I didn't have an agent at the time. <laughs> right. I had to call um, Ken. Anthony's brother, who was the agent, who had to call an art director, and the art director sent the assistant down to grab it. It's funny, she turned out it was a black woman, and she looks, she gives the guards a dirty look and grabs the bag. But in the meantime, I couldn't help but give the guards a jab, and I said to them, you know what, I went to college for photography, and I'm an assistant photographer, and you guys are dissing me, but in about five years, I'm going to be making more money than both of you combined. And they've right? got <laughs> then, <laughs> but I had to give it to them. But and the assistant was black that came down. Yeah. But meanwhile, though, there were white guys dressed casually, just like me. Not all of them appeared to be working in the building, just kind of, kind of coming and going as they pleased. Right. You know. And so, you know, those little things can be really annoying, you know. Of the course. The other stuff is so complex and there's so many things, you know, as pertain to, you know, trying to get into magazines and all that other stuff that it's, it's just too much to. And so, oh gosh, I have so many stories. It's sad. Yeah, <laughs> it's sad. I, I'm sure the challenges are, you know, many and many more. And so what, what you end up doing is focusing on just trying to be the best craftsperson you can be and control the things that you can control and fight where you can. But you just got to keep plugging forward. Right. And stay out of your head, because once you're in your head with it, that could really take you down, too. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt. So I it reminds it. me of a conversation I had in a bar with a guy um, or white gentleman. And, and he was like, wow, you know, if I were you, I'd be angry. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm angry. I'm like, but I don't carry that around because it'll eat me up. And also, I wouldn't be able to have a nice conversation in a bar with you. Like, right. You and know, it's, I've got yeah. Yeah, expressing yourself about it, you know, helps also. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's a uh, woof. 
I always try to tell people, stay out of your head, because people ask me the same thing. Jane, you know, being, you know, one of the only black realtors in Naples, you know, how do you feel about that? I said, I try not to get in my head about it. I said, yeah. I, I just have to do the work and doing the work just, you know, makes it all the better because there you go. I'm serving. Yep. So, so I get that. I, I applaud you for that because that can be um, something really crazy in your head and being in New York City, a big city like that. There's so many other things that come at you. So definitely. And you've been around for a long time plugging. It's funny that you mentioned um, Anthony and Ken Barboza. I know Ken's name because I know he was a manager um, at the time, he was an agent, you know, managing photographers and makeup artists. And a lot of them came through that were um, uh, clients of his. So I remember that name very well. So mm -hmm. Interesting that you were working with them at the time. Yeah. So, um, you know, you have fo you photographed so many big names in the entertainment industry. You know, I, I mean, we're talking about Tyra Banks. You know, Erica Badu, Tyrese, Mary J. Blige, Usher, and those are names from years ago, I remember. But what is it like photographing, you know, our stars? And not that they were our stars of yesterday, but it's just a different world now with the Tiffany Haddish and Kevin Hartz and, you know, uh, 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 Michael Ealy and people like that. What is it like photographing those guys? I found it, it's, it still feels like it did like it's always felt. Um, I think the difference is that now in the digital age, we all can see what we're doing as we're doing it. And so... Explain that. And so what it means is, let's say in, back in the day, I might shoot a Polaroid and that's all we see. And then when we're shooting the film, you're just kind of going through the motions and you know, you're performing, but you don't see what's happening you know, because it's in a black box and you have to develop right. it later. Right, right. Whereas on a digital set, it happens right away. And so you have an opportunity to collaborate with the person that you're photographing, show them what's working, show them what's not, you know, and they can see almost in real time, like how their uh, likeness is, is happening. So that's the real difference. But aside from that, um, it's still this, for me, the same energy of, I like to give them space to be themselves. I like to find a way to not be starstruck um, and have like sort of like honest conversation with them, but also just to like, you know, also not be way in their face like, like an overbearing fan, you know? Right, of course. Like be kind of chill and let it happen. Yeah, just be organic and, and go through. Yeah, I could see that. I definitely could see that with you. Yeah. Organic, yeah. So have you ever been starstruck? Have you ever had someone walk through and you're like, holy cow, I'm shooting blah, blah, blah? I find that it hits me the most for some strange reason with athletes. And okay. the most recent one I can remember was I was shooting Serena Williams. And yeah, of course. <laughs> Know, and like when she walked into the studio, it was just sort of like, wow, because when you see a woman like that and she was in like high heels, it just, it's like she just she was like a superhero goddess, like right? the <laughs> and it was the same kind of excitement that I might get from, you know, if it's a football player or a basketball player, it was just sort of like they're they they're physically in person bigger than life, you know? And Serena actually isn't that tall, but in heels, 
between that and, and her muscle tone, it's like, whoa, you know? Wow, you said a black goddess, huh? Walking through the door. God, yes. I mean, that's the only way you describe it. It's just like, you know, that's like powerful. a chariot with a with sword, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> striking out her enemies. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. She, she's, yeah, she's one to behold when you see her. Wow. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's funny because not all of my subjects have been black. Like, like for instance, um, there's this wonderful lady who's, I guess she's about 95 now. Oh, I'm Iris, saving her. Yes. I Iris <laughs> yes. Oh, you're going to get to her. Oh, I'm going to get to her. Just let's pull back for a minute because I okay. love Miss Iris. I'll pull back. Okay. <laughs> so let, <laughs> let me ask you, how has social media changed your business in any way? Has it changed your business in any way? Um, it has. You have to play the social media game. It's... It's daunting for old heads like myself. Oh, in that. trust me. <laughs> and the, the odd thing is, it's the way that it's daunting is you start to compete with um, a number of likes as opposed to your talent. So in other words, I've competed with people and lost jobs to people with lesser talent who had more likes or lesser experience who had more followers. Interesting. And and that's become, yeah, it's, we've, we've reached a world where popularity in some cases is more important uh, or maybe as important as the actual talent. And the education, you know. The education means nothing in today's world, it seems, until it does. So, for instance, um, just the other day, I was on. I was uh, doing a job, and I could tell that the designer didn't have experience because they're asking me to. I sent the photographs into the client, and then the designer of the website is asking me, "Well, can you make these a certain size so that they can fit?" And I'm just like, "Huh? Like that's never asked of me. Like generally, <laughs> once, I, once I take the photograph, the art director knows what to, and the designer knows what to do with the imagery. But because these kids have thrown out the apprentice part." Sometimes they run into snags on the job because they haven't, you know, sat behind somebody to see how it goes. So right. they have to learn on the job. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely see that a lot on social media myself. And, you know, everyone's an expert. I mean, there's a lot of experts out there because, you know, with experience comes expert, you know, expertise. Yeah. Um, but I, I get what you're saying, you know, because That's I'm... Because there are people, there are people who are giving seminars and people are like, you Keith, you should get class, you can give a seminar. And I have been doing speaking engagements. I'm gonna be in Austin, Texas doing a speaking engagement in September and I've done classes, but I haven't done the big, you know, masterclass seminar thing yet. But it's funny, it's like, I get that from, you know, I see kids who have been in photography two and three years giving masterclasses. Right. <laughs> understand this marketplace right now it's just it's so you know but I'm, I'm sure there'll be a reckoning I'm sure that it'll adjust itself but some of the changes you know changes are constant you know and sometimes things change and that's it you know and you've got to roll with the changes this is true yeah you're right because I see a lot of people doing master classes on different aspects of real estate and I know that they don't really understand and I talk to them sometimes and 
some of the questions they ask me, I think, well, you know, have you not done this before? Wait a second. <laughs> you know, wait a second. You got over 50, 60,000 followers and you're asking me a question. And I'm like, okay. And I've been doing this for, you know, 10, 12 years backwards and forwards. So, yeah. yeah. I know. That's, that's the best way to navigate the entire space is, you know, I stay close a lot of young people right and um i ask them questions they ask me questions and i'm finding that the best way to navigate it these days is to sort of like do the dance between you two and so that the young people get things from me that they're lacking and i get things from them that i'm lacking and that's how we all move forward together in, in a better way that's a good way of doing it yes i find that too i have a young lady that i work you know, closely with, and we talk to each other on a daily basis. And I learn a lot from her and she learns a lot from me. And it, it's a good collaboration. It's yeah. very good collaboration. And she's a very smart cookie in her own space. So, um, you know, the things I get from her, I'm really like, wow, okay, this is amazing. And she's mm -hmm. half my age. And I'm like, wow. And, and we're yeah. really good friends. So it's, yeah. you know, social media, the dynamics of it has really brought certain people together that you would find not together. <laughs> yeah. So in some ways it's really great that there is that inclusion. Yes. And then in some ways it's not so great because then you get critics who have no credentials <laughs> you <Right>. know, <laughs> in the space making choices. And it's like, oh gosh, here we go. That's why we have this show from execution to excellence. Because when I bring people on like yourself and and the young lady I spoke about and others, we talk about what has to be done to get to that level of excellence and break through to success. And, and I think it's very important for us to have that conversation and let people know that it takes hard work, it takes commitment, it takes consistency, and number one, follow up with the people that you're dealing with to make it happen for you. Right. So, so I definitely get that. You know, I wanted to ask you this. Was there, did fashion come before commercial photography for you? It's kind of all the same for me. Okay. Um, because I've honestly felt more on the fringe of fashion than in fashion. Um, because fashion, to be a top fashion photographer, they're almost always all older white men. And that's changed considerably with the Me Too movement and just inclusion and everything else. Right. So, you know, and so I was more in black fashion and and so, you know, I did a lot of fashion editorial, uh, but my bread and butter sort of portraits, um, hair advertising, um, some African-American advertising in general uh, for a variety of products that involved people, where whether it was like a Colgate ad or a Ford Motor Company ad. And so... But for me, it was all moshed together. What I did do was my fashion informed uh, what my style was. And what I mean by that is through fashion, I would experiment with, experiment with lighting. Through fashion, I would experiment with composition and different kinds of backdrops. And then I used the fashion template when I was hired for something else. So the many of the things that I discovered uh, or introduced um, in my work came from fashion, um, from my fashion work, but it, um, it, it informed my portrait work 
and my advertising work. Oh, fantastic. So you were able to mesh them together and yeah. work with them all at once at some point in time, I guess. Yeah, it, well, it's sort of a formula for me. Like, you know, fashion is where I experiment and play and create the things I like to do. And through that, I have something to show potential clients. And then they go, oh, I like that. Let's do that. And then, I, I, and then I'm able to employ those things in a commercial setting. Okay. That makes sense. That definitely yeah. makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, Keith, was there ever a breakdown before the breakthrough to success for you? I've never really had a breakdown. I had more of like a slow growth upward. Okay. And, and then I reached a, an amazing apex and then the business model shifted. And so I'm in the middle of the business model shift where we went from analog to digital, from film to digital, from uh, print media to digital media and social media. And so I might actually be having my breakdown now or polls now. It's okay. almost like I've had great successes and now there's this pause and recalibration for success in the 21st digital age. And so I can appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm working on, you know, shooting videos and, you know, I do more digital photography and and I'm more involved in social media and taking it more seriously than I have. And it's like, okay, how do I, you know, navigate this new marketplace where I'm not shooting um, CD packages and making several thousands of dollars a month on CD packages. And there aren't as many black ad agencies, if any, left because, you know, it's gone the way of the Negro League baseball. It's sort of like, okay, now that we have inclusion, you know, maybe we don't need black advertising. And so I have to figure out new streams of income because the old streams of income have either disappeared or morphed into something else. Wow. Yeah, so that's where I'm at. And, And it's interesting because... Um, I'm finding that I'm getting more younger people asking me questions and I'm getting more opportunities to teach and share my knowledge. And so I think that part of my segue will become, you know, working in academia while I'm holding, you know, still growing my craft, still growing my business and uh, just pivoting and doing things differently than what I've done in the past. So, yeah, it's it. I I can't say that. I had a, it was really a slow growth, you know, I mean, I studied in elementary school, and then I studied in high school, and I studied in college, and then I assisted for Tony Barboza, and then after that, I started, you know, testing in evenings and weekends, and every year was better than the last, until, you know, I was shooting My Black is Beautiful every, for Procter & Gamble every year, and making, you know, thousands of dollars in advertising, and then, you know, shooting CD packages and celebrities, and, you know, and now the celebrity and, and uh, commercial work um, just isn't as prevalent. It's still out there, but isn't what it used to be. And so I'm, you know, figuring out how to navigate the new marketplace. Right. And that's because, like you said, the digital age with cameras. I mean, people are taking pictures with cell phones and you're like, exactly. wow, you took that with that phone? <laughs> exactly. And yeah, the value of photography has changed. And so I have to change with it. Right. Right. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, How, you know, 
I, I've asked you this, but I wanted to kind of go there again. Did you ever have an absolutely drop dead gorgeous model who could not perform in front of the camera for you? Because you know, the camera has no mercy. <laughs> it, just, it just tells the truth every time you take a picture. Yeah, I actually had that recently. Oh, okay. Yeah, recently I did a project and it was weird because that day the model we hired didn't show up. Oh, okay. Showed up late, which was a whole sad sidebar. She was from she wasn't from this country. She was young and a bit naive. She got robbed. Someone stole her cell phone. It was just oh. so the next time we we um had a replacement. And she was a, a model that we liked or thought we liked from her pictures. And then when she got there, she was okay, but she was a terrible model. <laughs> she wasn't taking direction. She couldn't pose well. But then she also had that kind of confidence where she knew she was good, even though she wasn't. And so it was just a disaster. Um, oh. Yeah, those two, that combination doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, it's really rough, you know. And it's funny because... When I remember having this question in the past before this most recent situation, and I remember I had a week where I had a girl who looks like a can't miss, and she was a terrible model, and none of her pictures really came out that well, and I was baffled, you know, but then also her personality was kind of like not very friendly, not very nice. And then there was this guy, maybe, maybe I shot this guy the next day, and he was a large, overweight dark-skinned black guy who categorically might be stereotyped as not being attractive. And this guy's personality was so warm and so bubbly. His photographs were amazing. He looked great. Yeah. <laughs> better than the girl that was supposedly attractive. And sometimes it's from the inside out. And, I, and it was interesting. I realized that sometimes you can't fake it. You know, if you're ugly on the inside, it comes out. And, you know, if you're warm on the inside, that comes out too. Um, and the but, camera, I'll tell you, that camera doesn't lie. It tells the whole story. <laughs> yeah. But most of the time, you know, most of the time, you know, you'll get, you know, decent models. And lately, I've found it's been easier to photograph everybody because because of the camera phone, because of social media, people are taking photographs so much more that they're way more comfortable than they've ever been. So I have less session, less sessions where people are uncomfortable with the camera because they've already been vetted by the right. by our society. Right. And the realness, I'm sure, comes out. Yeah. That's amazing. So tell us, tell, tell our audience what's the difference in shooting fashion, editorial, and beauty? Because I know there's a distinct difference in the three. Well, when I'm shooting beauty, beauty is beauty's my favorite thing. Beauty, because I really enjoy portrait work, which is kind of centered on the personality, in most cases, the face. Um, but then with beauty, you get to do the hairstyle and the makeup. And I always find that fascinating. And, and I just really enjoy uh, making beautiful images that center around you know, the beauty of a person's face, in most cases, a woman. Um, right. Fashion is more about the clothing. And so a lot of the choices have to do with, you know, how can I make this not only a dynamic image, but show off the clothing and make sure that the clothing is appreciated and understood. And when I'm telling the story, the clothing is a, you know, a star in the narrative. 
Um, also with fashion, I find that there's a um, sort of like it survives in its own reality. I think some of that's changing now, but I've always found that, you know, I enjoy shooting models who are 5'9 to 5'11 and, you know, size four in fashion. Um, right. Mostly because I find that A, it's more efficient because the sample sizes are all geared towards that size and frame. Um, B, I find that something about those lines and those proportions make it easy for me to use any lens, try any angle, and be as creative as possible, and the person still looks attractive, as opposed to, and the clothing is shown off because there are longer lines because a person's taller. Right. As opposed to, like, if you're doing a photograph of me, for, per se, where I'm 5'7", you know, I'm going to look short in some situations. You know, the jacket's not going to look that great, as great on me as it might on a guy that's like 6'2", which is kind of like the standard size of the male model. Um, and some, for some strange reason in the media, it's just like those lines just tend to look nice. It's funny because I remember, I, I, it, it's almost scientific because I remember the basketball magazine Slam would have these covers. And for some reason, Allen Ivan, Iverson's covers always look better than all the other guys. But then I realized that Allen Iverson was like 6'2". He was exactly model size. Right. That he just his pictures just always look better than the guys who are like <laughs> six nine, six eight, or so. I think, I think what it came down to is like it wasn't that the models were the most beautiful people. It was more like it just fit the mold. But so anyway, the editorial was sort of um, a place where you get more creative, and the beauty is a place where you can be creative, but then also you can sell products, and in both cases you can. But then you have fashion advertising, which isn't quite or advertising in general, which in which you try to be a bit more conservative so that it fits more taste so you can make sales. Because sometimes fashion editorial goes left or goes into a place where the average person thinks it just looks crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I do like editorial. Actually, I was looking at your editorial photographs and I saw that you photographed uh, Leonard Steinberg, who I work with um, at Compass. So yeah, I saw that. That was a great shot of him. Yeah. No kidding. Now, that's the job that I do for Avenue Magazine. We do a series of, um, of portraits of real estate folk in New York City. Yeah, that was a great shot of him, you know, and I, I know him personally. So when I saw the picture, I was like, wow, that's a great shot. Go ahead, Keith. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I really like that job. I like that job particularly because they're not models and they get very excited when they see a photograph of themselves that looks pretty cool. Yeah, and Compass really took that in um, and, and went with the fashion. And maybe because they started out in New York too, went with the editorial look. And um, I remember the first time I was approached by them. Um, well, I wasn't approached by them. Someone told me about them and I went to visit with them and I saw um, all the pictures of the people. And I was like, wow, everybody looks good here. And I thought, this is all editorial, how fantastic. And yeah. as they grow, you see the same pictures and they, they just look like magazine quality pictures. And that's really catching on. And no one else has really taken that on in our space in real estate. So that's what made them stand out also. So yeah. that, yeah, that looks good. I'm glad you're doing the photographs up there because I was wondering, I said, who, I mean, because they do hire photographers to shoot all of their agents. 
yes. as they bring them on, you know, and you look at the picture, the series of the campaigns that these agents do, and sometimes the agents go out and hire their own people, but they, you know, they have to, of course, be uh, recommended by the company. But um, yeah, that's a fantastic look. So when I saw that, I was like, okay, who else, who else would shoot this picture of Leonard? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was a good, that was a really good picture. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Keith. The collective photo conference, did you attend or did you speak or did you shoot the conference itself in Lagos? In Lagos. Yeah. I attended. I was invited. They flew me in, you know, put up the lodging. I was one of the guest speakers. Oh, fantastic. Work and I spoke and we did a small photo demonstration as well. It all went very well. It was an amazing experience. Yeah, of course, to go to Nigeria. I love Africa. I just, yeah. It was my first time in Africa, so it was really. You know what I didn't realize happens at a conference like that? That you learn from and are inspired by the other speakers that are with you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I didn't know that, you know, because you're so focused on the dynamics of your speech and and presentation and making it go well. And sort of and so when you're sitting there before and after yours, you're like wowed by what the other people are doing and you're learning things. It's amazing. Yeah, I have seen that at different conferences and um, summits. And I watch the speakers listen to others and I can see when they're, you know, glazed over and like in awe of the speaker that's next to them. And I find that fascinating, too. So, yeah, definitely. And to get to go to Lagos, Nigeria to speak, that's that's amazing. That's like an international audience for you. Um, Yeah, such an honor. I've had a couple of experiences that have allowed me to have audiences. I think when I was on Top Model a couple of times, I found that. It afforded me a sort of international following, and then, and then the Lagos, Nigeria expanded. Yeah. Oh, top model. I remember that too. Nigel was one of my clients, actually, if you remember. Right. Yeah. Nigel Barker. Yep. Oh, that was a great show. I loved everybody on that show. <laughs> that was fantastic. She really hit the ball out of the park with that one. Tyra's great. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's became syndicated and um, it's all over the world. And I mean, what I can't think of her name, the big model, she did a 10 page spread um, in Italian Vogue. Was that Takara? Yes. Right, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. And Eve, her career has, you know, morphed into acting and so forth. And I mean, I still see these girls. And, and the other one, she did. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it has helped. It has, and I can't remember the last girl's name, unfortunately. And God, I, I don't mean to to um, not speak of her with her name, but you probably know her. She played in the movie The Butler. She was the uh, girlfriend of his son um, in the Black Panthers. Yeah, that's Yaya. Yaya the Yaya, yes, Yaya, yes. And I met her actually with Lee Daniels at a conference. So I mean, it's a very small world. I photographed Lee some time ago for Marvette Brito. Yes. I know yeah. Marvette. It's a small world. We all know each other. <laughs> Interesting. Inter- and I stay in touch with Darian, too. Oh, cool. So, yeah. So now here comes the question. Mm-hmm. What was it like shooting designer and iconic, newly iconic, Iris Apfel? Oh, that was really... Yeah, you know, it was really cool, because when I... I photographed her for the first time 
um, maybe maybe three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. I was in her Park Avenue apartment. And so for me, the first thing I thought was this woman is in her 90s. And so she has so many more years in fashion on me that I'm going to lean on her experience. Right. I set up a shot and I'd ask her, what do you think? And I'd let her tell me if it was cool or I'd take her suggestions and go with it. And I remember being on set and the stylist on set was trying to get her in clothes and, and having to tug a war with her. And I'm just like, why are you even bothering? Like she, her experience, her life. Right. <laughs> <laughs> why are you debating with this woman? Like that's not the approach I took. And we got along really well. You know, we took great photographs. And then at the end she goes, she says to me, wow, you know, you're really great. Let me have your information. And I was got so excited. I don't think I've ever been more. <laughs> because, you know, getting a compliment from somebody like that was just awesome, you know. And the other thing is it's nice to be. It's nice when you're a black kid from Brooklyn. And you're you're on Park Avenue with some fashionista um, lady who's who's you know, old white lady who thinks, who respects you for the work that you do. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's just sort of like, and it's not that I need validation from, you know, white people per se, you know, and no offense, white people, you're fabulous people. When you're cool. <laughs> of course. You're amazingly fabulous people when you're cool. It's just when you're not, you suck. But <laughs> when you're racist and angry, like, please, it's, right? it's the worst. But when you're great people, you're some of the most fabulous people on the planet. But, but no, it's not that I needed validation, but it was just nice to be in the space where it wasn't about my race and it wasn't, you know, or it wasn't even that, yo, the darling little person who's pulled himself up by a bootstraps. It was just more like, you're good, you know, we're on the equal plane and I like your work, you know. Right. That's fantastic. And so. Yeah. And then that turned into she had a book. She did a book and I'm in the book. One of the photographs on that session is in the book. It's a full page bleed. And the book's cover is an illustration that was inspired by another photograph from that session. Oh, so you won all the way around. <laughs> Let's ring that bell. Yeah. So then I'm at the book launch and it was crazy because, you know, you're at the book launch. Her book launch, it's like the who's who in fashion in New York. And, you know, the Hill figures are there. And I was literally talking to Christy Brinkley and telling her how I liked her spot in this uh, Sugar Ray uh, Leonard documentary. And it was just crazy. Like super celebrities and I'm there and I get to speak to Iris and, you know, say my happy hellos. And, you know, she knew me and remembered me. And, you know, it was just dope. And, And then that led into most recently maybe... Less than a year now. I mean, not even a year yet. Gosh, maybe only a few months ago. I photographed her for a um, for Bernardard, which is a porcelain, a Parisian porcelain uh, house. They do porcelain jewelry. They do porcelain uh, tableware. But they're also involved in selling art and artifacts. And I did a, a ad campaign uh, with Iris as the uh, subject for them. Well, she looks and like she, a piece of art herself, doesn't she? Yes, yes. And Iris, Iris recommended that I do it for them. Oh, fantastic! That's an that's now that is definitely a winner. Yeah, and so yeah, that's probably been one of my most recent. That is actually probably my most recent big win. 
For sure. And that's a, definitely a highlight in your career. I mean. Oh, without a doubt. And she's so fabulous. You know, she quoted, you know, fashion you can buy and style you must possess. I said, oh, and she said, style must be in your DNA. I said, you better talk about it, girl. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> I always say fashion and style don't live on the same street, so don't even try it. That's right, yeah. No, she is, she's awesome, awesome lady. You know, I've had my share, and it's been all over the map. I've photographed people that, you know, humanity probably doesn't like, and I photograph people that people love, and so... You know, Iris F. Fell is one of those wonderful people. But I also photographed uh, one of the Koch brothers, David Koch. And um, I actually photographed Melania Trump before she was first lady. I saw that too. Uh, and I don't show it, but years ago, I actually photographed Donald Trump as well, you know. And um, it's, it's just been all over the place. You know, I photographed Frank Lucas, who they made a movie about, American Gangster. Right. I'm particularly happy with my Kevin Hart photos because Kevin Hart's still using my photo for his Instagram uh, portrait. Yeah, that was Instagram. a fabulous picture of him. One with the smoke. Yeah, I, was yes. I was on a mission. I'm like, you know what? He has all the funny man photos. I want to make a leading man photo look for him. Oh, you definitely hit that on the nose. Yes. Yeah, I, I wanted him to look like grown and sexy, you know. You did that. You did. When I saw it, I was like, wow, this is a really good shot of him. And I love the way the smoke was going through the picture and it was, you know, smoky and sultry. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, you hit that head. You hit that nail right on the head with that one. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, because that was my intention. I'm like, I want this photo to look like, I want this photo to have casting directors consider him for other roles. <laughs> well, you did that because when I saw it, I was like, I mean, being a former manager and looking for talent, you know, those are the things you look for when you see photographs. You want to see something a little more in depth of that person and know that mm -hmm. they can carry things out for you. And when they show up, they show up. Right. So I remember going through millions, you know, not millions, I would say many, many, many photographs of people and one always stands out more so than the other. And that's when you think, okay, maybe I'll call this person and I like this. And then we'll go through the personality test and we'll see what they, their body of work looks like. I mean, I, I definitely miss those days of being a, a manager, entertainment manager. That was a great time in my life too. Um, yeah. yeah, that was fun time. But you cared. Yeah, I did care. Thank you. I did care. And a lot of my people said that to me, even after they went off to L.A., they would call me and go, Jane, you know, I didn't know what it was like to have a personal manager, you know, until I came out here. <laughs> and I miss yeah. you. And I was like, well, you know, I miss the work, too. But, you know, life takes different turns. So it's OK. Who knows? Never know. You just never know. So, Keith, tell us about your cover shoot with um, the iconic Harry Belafonte and Zendaya who has completely transformed into a beautiful gazelle. Right. And Jesse and, Williams and, also. And Jesse Williams, yeah. That was that was really something. And it's funny because we we had to do a photo comp where because we couldn't get everybody on the same day. And so Harry's day was separate from Jesse and um and Zendaya and we had to comp it later. Oh, okay. You would have never known. And yeah, you would never know, right? right. <laughs> but um, yeah, and so they were all very unique days. I found that um, Zendaya was awesome, like grown well beyond her years. Oh, complete transformation. 
you know, I mean, like, she's like a, but even that day, like, for, she was the most mature 17-year-old I think I've ever encountered in my life. <laughs> okay. And her dad was really cool. You know, he, her dad and I really, you know, vibed, you know, he loved my playlist and I was able to play, you know, some not only popular stuff, but some jazz. And we got to talking about a bunch of things. Um, and that was really cool. And she even made a suggestion on set. It was her idea to, to um, it was her idea to set up one of the photo comps. Okay. So we were trying to hit a certain mark and she's like, look, you know, it's not going to work. Why don't we just, you know, photograph everybody in position. You guys can comp it later. I'm like, you know what? She's right. <laughs> <Let's do that>. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, which is like kind of like how I behave on set. I tend to allow everyone in the room to speak. I know it's my job to make choices and move the ship forward, but I don't like playing like everybody shut up, I'm the ruler. I'd rather, because I, I don't want to lose a good idea to my ego. Right, so you take input. Yeah, so I'd, la I'd rather get the input and just know that, you know, I, I make the final choice. Um, and so that day was awesome. Jesse was, of course, a brilliant, awesome person. I think what blew me the way the most between Jesse and Zendaya is their cooperation and their wonderful spirit. Nice. They were both just like amazing people. And then Harry was just like, it's sort of like with Harry Belafonte, the first thing is like, you're blown away by a man who looks so amazing in his 90s. I know. Like that photograph you see, particularly if you've seen any of the photographs that I'm showing on my own personal site, he's, that's not even retouched. Like he just looks like that. He's always had incredible skin. Yeah. And so, you know, and then his conversation and his ease of motion um, and dropping wisdom without even trying, you know, and it's funny because my assistant's like, this is a guy who was like friends with Frank Sinatra and you know, some heavy Hollywood hitters. He's like one of the coolest guys on the planet and, and, it, and it shows. And Dorothy Dandridge is love interest. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And he just has that, he still has that swag and that cool. Oh, fantastic. And so, yeah, it was, it, it, I just, whenever I'm in a situation like that, I feel so blessed and fortunate. Of course. I mean, I, I, that's someone I probably would be starstruck with. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't starstruck with him. It was just, I was happy that I could tell my mother I was photographing Harry Belafonte. Oh, that's good. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's things with your parents. It's like, if they don't know who the person is, no amount of success means anything until, the, until you're, you know, photographing one of, their, one of their icons. Exactly, exactly. It was amazing. It was really amazing. And, you know, I cherish those photographs to this yeah, day. Yeah, of course. So, you know, I saw that you had um, shot the Ebony Magazine iconic covers. And I saw that you, it was Taraji, Samuel, yeah. Mary, and of course, John Legend. What a beautiful cover. I mean, the covers were gorgeous. Thank you. You know, I was honored just to get that call. Because sure. that call, it means that not only are you capable, but they're saying that, I know that you have the skill set to recreate these old covers. Yeah. And so that, that was one of my, probably one of my biggest triumphs, I think. Because, yeah. you know, because I, that's what I had to do. I had to dissect what the photograph looked like and reconstruct it. 
Well, you did an amazing job because when I saw that, I went, wow. I, at first I had, it was like, I had to take a glance, you know, a second glance. And I was like, look at these covers. Then I read the title and I was like, wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, that was amazing. And to be with so many celebrities over, we did one shoot day in New York. We did um, John Legend and uh, Usher in New York. And then everyone else over two days in L.A. One studio, one location day. Nice. You did a very good job with that. Very good. Outstanding, actually. So let me ask you this, Keith. I know you have a daughter. Mm -hmm. Is she following in your footsteps? Not really. My daughter is married now. I love her husband. She 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 picked a good guy. Um, oh, that's good. <laughs> Augustin, my daughter's name is August. August and John have a business called John's Juice. And what they're doing is they're, it's hard to describe. It's sort of like you do juice and no cups. So basically you'll get an organic pineapple and a biodegradable straw and you drink this pineapple juice mixture out of the pineapple. Or you're drinking you know, watermelon out of the organic watermelon. You're holding the watermelon in your hand. They have the little baby organic watermelons. Or it's a dragon fruit, or it's an orange, or it's a grapefruit. Interesting. And, yeah, and so they're doing this thing in New York City called Smorgasburg. I think they have them in L.A. now. But they do Smorgasburg, um, and they're caterings, not only in, in New York, but they've done Coachella, and they've done... Um, Oh, gosh, they were in Florida for something else. I can barely keep up with all the things that they do. Um, and they do all the festivals in New York, whether it's Afro's Punk or, or anything on Governor's Island or the Governor's Ball. They do all this stuff. And it's really, they're doing a great business. And, and my daughter's getting rich. The <laughs> 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 thing is, I think the way that she's following in my footsteps is that she was able to see that you could work for yourself. Okay. Entrepreneurship. Yeah. And probably the biggest compliment was I saw her on a panel discussion, actually. And she says, well, one of the things I learned from my father was that, you know, there's still work to do even on your quote unquote days off. And I learned that I had to get up in the morning when I was working for myself, that I didn't have, that I couldn't wait, you know, for something to happen, that I would have to get up and do things, you know, on what quote unquote non-work days. And I learned that from him. And that she, was she realized she had to make it happen from execution to excellence. Exactly. <laughs> yes. That is amazing. I am so happy for you. I mean, this conversation has been so awe-inspiring and I've loved every minute of it, Keith. Um, you have filled us with a wealth of knowledge. And I'm, I'm just glad we stayed, you know, in touch and I was able to connect with you for this interview. Yes. I mean, you've always been an amazing person and you, you, you know, you, you. You've, you've always been able to, you know, stay in touch with your contacts. I was... Oh, well, listen, like I said, this has been an amazing um, conversation with you and I'm so glad you were on the show. Can you tell people where to find you? Oh, I'm so easy to find. You just go to KeithMajor.com. That's www.keithmajor.com. I'm Keith is spelled K-E-I-T-H and M-A-J-O-R. There's no S. And yeah, I'm so easy to find. You Google that or go to my website and it's all there. 
And they can find you on Instagram where? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. If you go to the website, you can click on the icons and find Instagram or just punch in Keith Major on Instagram. There are a couple of Keith Majors. I'm the guy with the black and white photograph of myself. Okay. But, you know, scroll down and look for Kevin Hart, Tiffany Haddish, Iris Epfeld. You know, you're in the right place. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So it's been wonderful talking to you, Keith. And thank you so much, guys. And, you know, you got to follow us. You can follow me at Jane Bond underscore underscore underscore. And you can also tune in to listen to this interview with Mr. Keith Majors. You can go right to Apple dot podcast and you will find us also write rate and do a review for us and we would love it thank you once again keith you're welcome jane all right i'll talk to you soon great talking with you all righty bye-bye Woo! yes what a fabulous interview with keith major thanks keith for giving us a peek into your life as a photographer in new york city how raw is that Guys, we are so excited to keep bringing you fabulous interviews from influencers and entrepreneurs from around the country. We love that you are supporting us and please give us your continued support by going to subscribe at Apple Podcasts and write us a review and rate us. You can also follow me on Instagram at janebond underscore underscore underscore. I look forward to bringing you another amazing interview next week. Talk to you then. Until then, from execution to excellence.